Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N Guitars.com And we're live. Hi. How are you? Oh, good. I'm glad that we got to play with that. I'm glad. So... It's been another week in legalization of cannabis news, and here we are again to talk about what happened last week. And so uh, with me, I'm Tom Howard. I'm a cannabis industry lawyer. Uh, actually, I have to I'm going to call a, a client here at an hour, so I think we'll be fine. We have a, at least a half hour to kill. So, and uh, with me is... Miguel, Miggy420. That's right. So what's new with you, man? So today's topic, I think we should talk about, at least for uh, on my side of things, is uh, home grow. Home grow? Is there any uh, news coming out of the home grow world? Well, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Washington State is the only legal state that does not allow home grow on the books. Hmm. I didn't know that. I know that uh, I'm, I'm in Illinois, and we are with bated breath waiting for Friday when I hear the uh, the... The real bills are due. Currently, we have SB7, which is just a shell bill right now. That is the bill in Illinois that uh, Senator Steens has uh, championed. But, you know, a shell bill is just like the bill to legalize marijuana bill coming later. It's not done. And so, like, you know, it'll be there soon. But, yeah. So what's going on with homegrown? So we are presently here in Washington State fighting for homegrown. Yeah. Um, the, big, the biggest we have two bills going through right now. This is actually the second year that we've been trying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've recently wrote an article on it and weednews.co. But uh, um, the biggest thing is uh, it's a grassroots effort. And mm-hmm. I in Washington State, you know, we were one of the first states for uh, recreational cannabis. What year was that that you guys went rec? Was that 2012? Has it been that yeah. long? Wow. So you guys have been recreational. Yeah, because I can't, I visited my buddy who worked for Amazon in 2015. I can't believe it's already been four years, and it was recreational then. Yeah, and, and, and you know, the thing is, too, all the uh, legislators, for one, uh, they're not being proactive when it comes to the consumer. And I think uh, a homegrown uh, law would just empower the consumer when it comes to the plant itself, you know? Yeah, and I, I mean – I don't understand it. I always kind of looked at it like the people that make their own beer or like grow their own tomatoes, they're in the minority. It's not like people are going to quit 
buying cannabis because home grows allowed, just like people aren't going to quit buying Bud Light because they can go home and brew their own beer. And it takes like time and effort and all sorts of stuff. So I just never really understood how come Washington State has never had home grow, even though it's been like seven years almost since it's been fully adult use legal. Yeah, it's a saying, you know, uh, when it was first written, uh, the ACLU that was behind it, they kept just saying, you know, uh, we'll fix it later. We'll fix the rules, the uh, the five nanogram DUI rule, uh, mm-hmm. the lack of home grows. Uh, you know, essentially the way in Washington evolved was uh, medical cannabis was, uh, you know, Washington State had a long reputation for weed, you know, period. Uh, even before um, – Prop 215 down in California. Right. I remember back in the day was you wanted weed from the Northwest, you know, or Canada weed, whatever. Well, yeah, yeah. BC Bud back like 20 years ago. Of course, like uh, Prop 215, whatever the California one was like, you know, 1996. But even when I was like in high school and college, uh, yeah, BC Bud was still a concept. I mean, like, you know, Dank was new back then to a certain extent. I know it wasn't new, but like, Weed was still really crappy back then. Yeah, well, the Northwest had a reputation for having good weed back early on. And it seems at that time we were the innovators or the Northwest was ahead of its game. And now with legalization, we've we've gone back 10 years. Yeah. Well, and it, well so what's, what's the news on, um, on home grow in uh, Washington State? Is there a bill that's pending? Are they going to vote on it and allow it? And and how also could they even enforce it? That's the other stupid thing. Unless, of course, they're growing outside, right? Well, and that's the biggest thing is the, the structural law is going to be complaint-based. Because, you know, everybody's worried about how do, you, how, do you, how do you punish people? How do you find the bad guys in this situation? Well, why do they, they got to be bad guys? I don't understand that. Like, you know, all of a sudden we need to have somebody to punish. How about we uh, just continue to punish jerks and assholes and, you know, people that lie, cheat, and steal? Well, and that's the problem. Like, uh, with the... Uh, I don't know if you're familiar. Uh, did you see the Kamala Harris interview that she just did on uh, uh, The Breakfast Club? I haven't seen her interview, but that was on the list of uh, cannabis legalization news. Kamala Harris is running for president, and she's also smoked marijuana. And so she's probably going to be a fairly liberal, ch- well, a good choice for somebody who wants to vote on a single issue like cannabis legalization. Um, I, I would not be surprised if – because these – the first few debates for the Democrats are going to be zoos as there are going to be so many people that are on stage, just like the Republicans were in uh, 2016 um, when they were thinning the field and, and Donald Trump ultimately won. But I could really see like all these Democrats just supporting uh, cannabis legalization and them using that really as a wedge issue and, and throwing it back into uh, the Republicans face because, you know, if you just look at the polls uh, or the statistics on uh, Republicans, they're still approximately like 70 percent against cannabis legalization. I mean, I might want to go ahead and check that one because I haven't I haven't looked at one of those in a few months. But, the you know, you whenever I would go over that type of data, it would just be the Republicans, by and large, are against cannabis legalization for whatever reason. And I, I think those those um, reports or whatever you want to you know whatever that you're, you're looking at those that data yeah. is is extrapolated from just like the top people in charge you know like the it's kind of like voting you know 
we have what a million people, but you only get a thousand votes. Uh, you know, how does that fucking work? Um, but it, it's because everybody has to work on election day, right? You know, that, that's yeah. not it. I, I just kind of think that maybe Americans have a little bit of an entitlement to them and they, you know, they're, they're kind of spoiled. Maybe if, uh, maybe they'll vote more next time, but who knows? I mean, it's just that the, what was the, what is, I mean, like there was actually over 125 million votes cast in 19, I'm sorry, 2016, but um, I don't know what percentage of the population actually votes. Fortunately, I'm at a computer and I'm talking to you on a computer, so I can very quickly Google that, you know? Well, yeah, but we know the numbers are weak yeah. overall. They aren't, they aren't very, it's not like 80%, right? Yeah, and, and, and so, like, when I watched her, um, and I think on both sides is what we're going to be, we're seeing a lot of conversation on social justice reform. Right. And you can't have uh, a justice reform without cannabis legalization. Um, no. You know, no. one of the things that disappointed me in her uh, interview. Hey, huh? uh, before we get back to the interview, uh, topical, uh, evidently, according to the PBS, it was 58% of people voted. Uh, that could vote voted in 2016 and it set a record. So here we are complaining about, you know, 42% of people that didn't vote. And it looks like the, uh, the trend is going toward voting, which is great. Maybe uh, in 2020, uh, there'll be 60% of the people will actually turn out and vote and cannabis will win big again. Yeah. I, you know, I, I can only hope, you know, um, cause I, legalization is the true reform. Right. Um, one of the uh, counter uh, arguments to legalization, which kind of bothered me by Camilla Harris, and, and, and she's totally pro, but yeah. her 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 uh, political lingo, like with all the other people, is uh, you know, well, what if we legalize it again? How do we find the bad guy? How do we uh, get DUI limits? How do we uh, prosecute people? And, right. and my my answer to that is, how are we doing it now when there's no laws? You know, how are we catching these people? How are we getting the bad guys? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How are you enforcing something when you don't even have a policy on it except that it's all forbidden? I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. It's just kind of like yeah. we can't have it legalized, really, because people aren't going to, like, buy it on the street. Are you kidding? You know, it, the more they try to control it and, and uh, put it into uh, a bag and throw it out, you know, it's it just people will use it. I mean, that's the thing. It's your prohibition yeah. has never worked. Remember that one time that we uh, we stopped all drinking alcohol for you know, those, those years between 1920 and 1933 totally worked great, right? No, it didn't, and it still doesn't. And, 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 you know, the, the fact that people aren't making us think about the uh, the oil boy crisis being started by a family, you know, who encouraged uh, – uh, are you familiar with the, um, the family behind – uh, the uh, behind Oxycontin, yeah, all and like that was the that was a lie that they told everybody back in the '90s when Oxycontin came out because it was a pill form of it. They said, "Oh no, it's different now. It's no longer near as addictive." Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It's still a synthetic opioid. It's quite addictive. It, it just it's mind boggling seeing uh, drugs coming out, commercials saying uh, with disclaimers, you know, may cause anal bleeding and death, but ah. uh, we're okay with that because the FDA approved it. Right. What was the name of that family that had Oxycontin? Uh, content. I thought it was Purdue. I could be wrong on that. No. Well, they're they're the ones that have been hiding behind because they're finally been mentioned in the lawsuit. Oh yeah. Because uh, you know, for the longest time, they've been having a positive reputation yeah. because yeah. they donate to all these artsy fartsy shits. Well, that doesn't make that that kind of makes sense. But yeah, it was 1996. 
Oxycontin came out, and it was, uh, I believe, the Purdue family. Ah, Sackler. Sackler? Yeah. Sackler. Ah, there he is. Here, I'm a patient patient in your chat room. Yeah. Well, you know, again, they've, um, it's, it just gets back to, like, it's okay to get addicted to stuff that will make somebody profit, provided that it isn't illegal. Uh, but then once you've made something illegal, then the profits, you know, they're they're tax free because they're all illicit. Now, granted, there's that hilarious thing that uh, that's a, the origin story of IRC. That's the Internal Revenue Code 280E. I'm not sure yeah. familiar with that from back in 1980. Did you ever hear that one? Isn't that part of the RICO shit, too? Uh, I'm not sure if it's part of the RICO shit, but there perhaps because like what happened was uh, this guy got popped for uh, cocaine uh, trafficking. And so, you know, when that happens, of course, they take all your stuff and they, they prosecuted him and he got found guilty and all that. They took all his money, but, uh, they, the lawyers fought back and said they had taken too much because uh, the cost of carrying on his, his cocaine operation should be able to be deducted from his income. Oh shit. Yeah. It was hilarious. And so, well, this is just accurate as well. So like yeah. you know, the cost of his cell, well, it was, it was 1980s. So he didn't have a cell. He had a landline the cost of his rent, the cost of like the little baggies that he put it in, all that type of stuff uh, was allowed to be deducted because he needed to do that in order to earn the money. And then Congress got all up in arms about it. So they passed that IRC 280E that uh, essentially prohibits you from deducting the cost of carrying on your uh, operations when it's trafficking in a Schedule One or Schedule Two substance. But uh, that, that leads to why, you know, today all these dispensaries and everything like that have really gone uh, into tax avoidance planning to make sure that the uh, double tax that they get from IRC 280E is minimized, which, you know, all right, it's just more of the silly, silly rules that we have to put up with. Yeah, well, it's just a money grab, I think, sometimes. Yeah, there's a lot of money grab in life. I mean, it's just that's just all it is. Sometimes it just seems like no matter what you do, somebody's going to make you pay. Well, even with the like the the we were talking last week with the hemp and uh, you know, I think the uh, the police, the judicial, whatever, uh, they're trying to do that last minute grab. You know, like. Oh, uh, here's a seven-ton fucking thing. Let's uh, pull them over. It looks like pot. Smells like pot. You're going to jail, and we get to keep your shit. You know. Um, yeah, it's and then uh, it's been like that since Upton Sinclair's time, which isn't exactly new. I mean, Upton Sinclair's been gone now for decades, and like that landmark book of his, The Jungle, is you know from like 1900 something. But it's very difficult to get somebody to understand something if their paycheck depends on them not getting it. Right. Their paycheck depends on them not getting it. So, like, you know, why would they all of a sudden have a change of heart? I mean, phony baloney jobs, right? Because, like, who is literally trying to work themselves out of a job? Nobody bills. The DEA has got to be scared. Yeah. Well, that's again, the DEA has to be scared. But like, think about what happened back after um, the, the, the narcotics were started to be criminalized after you had uh, the legalization, the re-legalization of booze back in 1933. Four years thereafter, you had hemp and cannabis declared federally illegal. So the G-men just went from one uh, entity over to the other one. So they they 
legalized alcohol again and they made all these drugs illegal and then they had these new jobs that they had to fill with uh, law enforcement. I always kind of think it's funny sometimes people put the, the letter R in, in some words where it's just not there, like lar. Anyway. <laughs> hey, speaking of just off shit real quick, totally off non-cannabis subject, but uh, you realize in American language, like how do you spell the word color? Uh, with without without the U. Yeah, and, it, and that's all from early 1800 print type because one less letter and it costs you know more or it's cheaper for them to the ink. Yeah, yeah, it always goes back to money, doesn't it? God damn it, everything goes back to money. Our, our lexicon is based off of a goddamn fucking just being fucking shortchanged and shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, fuck that. You get that out of here. You know, God. You say fucking ten thousand dollars or whatever. Um, I mean, back in the day, it was probably in pence, right? Because they were they were buying ink and then they needed to. I mean, it was back when they didn't even have um, they had typesetting. So, like, somebody would have to go through and put those little things in and then slap ink on it and print it. I mean, that had to be excruciating. And I don't think I get anything done these days. I mean, they must have gotten nothing done back in those days. Yeah, and that's why a lot of our words are different than uh, the English uh, from England um, things. But uh, I got a question for you. What do you just like when we have where they just legalize hemp? They sign a bill. Do you think they can do that for weed? Do I think they can do what? Where they legalized hemp? You mean uh, with the exec? Well, actually, that was a farm bill. Are you talking about the farm bill? Yeah, like a farm bill type scenario. Can there be one for just pot where it just says you can grow it? I mean, because the, the blanket statement alone has seemed to cause a little chaos in both the uh, uh, legal side and the law enforcement side. Right. Uh, now, I mean, like they can do it. That was an act of Congress. And so, like, Congress can absolutely act and uh, legalize cannabis. I, I like Chuck Schumer's bill. I mean, that was from last Congress. I need to do another uh, video where I go and I'll pull all the bills that have been introduced by this Congress and be like, you know, there's I did one on H.R. 420, but there's probably like five to seven more bills that are out there. The one that said I like the best basically had the Controlled Substances Act, and then they take like a big old red pen and they just go, oh, look, it says cannabis, heroin, LSD. And so we're just going to cross out cannabis right there because that would effectively legalize um, cannabis. But then all these crimes that are written on the federal laws, well, all the federal crimes, they don't say cannabis or trafficking. They just say trafficking in a Schedule One or a controlled substance because yeah. it's just a little bit more uniform, so it's easier to draft that way. And then if cannabis is no longer in that uh, list, then those laws no longer apply to it. That would be amazing. And sure, of course, they can do it. Um, I don't I don't necessarily think they will, but they right. can. But you know how everybody argues, I don't know, if in circles where, where cannabis circles, it's like, no, uh, we should reschedule it. And then other people say, no, we should deschedule it. You know, I like I don't give a fuck. Just get people out of jail. Right, right. It's just just uh, respect the facts of the matter and don't regulate it like it's heroin. I mean, it, just be honest with the people. What the heck's wrong with it? But no, I mean the, the deschedule, reschedule. The reason why you would totally want it descheduled and just dropped is because uh, you want the cannabis businesses to be able to access banking and also international monies because. With it being in the Controlled Substances Act, there are dozens of federal crimes 
that implicate just controlled substances and, and trafficking in those. So if it's no longer a controlled substance, then all these uh, crimes don't apply to the transactions that would happen in, in cannabis. And also all these cannabis businesses can open bank accounts and whatnot. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. Some sort of descheduling would be better off for it, for it then. Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I support descheduling uh, quite a bit. I think that's really the way to do it. Uh, there's other reasons for that. It's kind of like back in, um, well, briefly in 1969, it was the Timothy Leary case. Um, and he got the last federal uh, marijuana law, the Marijuana Tax Stamp Act. He got that declared unconstitutional as a violation of your Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination. And so for a few months there, and that's one of the reasons why Dick Nixon called drugs like, you know, public enemy number one or whatever, uh, they had, the federal government had no um, marijuana policy because once the Tax Stamp Act was declared unconstitutional and before the Controlled Substances Act was uh, passed and, and then, you know, put into effect uh, in early 1970 or 1971, uh, there wasn't uh, a federal policy regarding cannabis, but that didn't matter because every single state had criminalized cannabis. And you have to understand the, um, the federal government is limited jurisdiction, the, the dual sovereignties that we have between the federal and the states. Yeah. Uh, and so the states, they are the ones that have the police power. And that usually means, you know, uh, public safety and health. Those, and the, like, I'm, I'm an Illinois lawyer. I'm licensed by the state of Illinois. I'm not... Um, I'm not a United States lawyer licensed by the United States, you know? Okay. And so uh, because of that, because of that criminalization in every one of the 50 states in 1970, when cannabis was effectively legal at the state, I'm sorry, at the federal level, because the, the law had been declared unconstitutional, it didn't matter. And so we could do the inverse of that because now all these states have different laws. And if there is no federal policy, then who is going to be, uh, you know, enforcing their own laws? Well, the states are. And that's that I think would kind of work the best. But then here's what's going to happen. It's all about the goddamn money. Yeah. Well, you know, like here in Washington with the homegrown shit, um, <clears throat> one uh, one of the fucking legislators uh, even said, uh, like, uh, I fear that if we legalize homegrown, it's going to incite the Fed. Which boggles my fucking mind because we have a, an established industry now that's yeah. reaping in billions, and, and I would think the outrage from the citizen citizenry or whatever you want to say um, would just be too much for the Fed. Like you wouldn't want to piss off a, a billion dollar industry or a whole state. It would just make the Fed look worse than they already do right now. Yeah, and there's there's a reason why uh, since you know I mean you guys have been adult use now for years and yeah. they haven't done shit. And then the feds aren't doing anything in California. They aren't doing anything to uh, Michigan. They aren't doing anything in Colorado. And they know why, because it is political suicide. I mean, if you really want cannabis legalized faster, uh, Jeff Sessions, who also didn't do anything except for write a memo that says that the uh, previous memos from the Obama administration no longer matter. I mean, they aren't doing anything because they know that if they do something, it's a loser and they aren't going to touch it. So they'll just kind of quietly ignore it until it gets too far. And I think it's already kind of too far. Yeah. But, you know, they will probably continue to ignore it until they might do something like a, the farm bill that they did. 
Well, and I, and I think they, they have to ignore it. And I think it's unfortunate that um, our legislators are afraid to step up for the citizen or for the people of Washington state and just say, okay, we're going to allow you to have this uh, experience. Even in the Washington state constitution, it, it's written that uh, there is going to be no industry where a citizen can't participate, you know, willingly. Like I think if homegrown were to come about, it would give the, uh, the just the average Washington state citizen a chance to experience the plant grow it, understand what it takes. I mean, fucking growing's hard. You yeah, know, it, it really is hard. Do you know, like, uh, do you garden? I mean, like, I don't yeah. garden. I could. I could try to grow tomatoes in the summer and stuff, but I really don't garden. I I like to do SEO and build websites, but uh, no, I don't garden. We're a fast food fucking culture. We're fucking lazy. We want to drive through shit, pick it up, order ahead of time, fucking use an app. Uber uh, it'll just, it'll just you, you use an app. Somebody will go through the goddamn McDonald's drive-thru for you and bring it to you. It's it, the the amount of laziness that we have in our society is pretty cool. That you know, we can generally relax as much as we do. You know what really pisses me off and has nothing to do at all with cannabis legalization. And so, therefore, it's it's uh, you know it's uh, over the line and it's it's silly. But I'm going to still bring it up because I'm like, wow, this is this is just how relaxed we are as a culture. It's wearing socks and slippers. Have you seen that? Like the socks and the fly? <laughs> people are so relaxed these days. Like, and it's like those are the teenagers and the people that are like 20, 25 or, or below. Now they're wearing socks and slippers. It's like, man, this is this That's is America. like, you know, we're, we're the, the, the founders and like, you know, the pioneers and people would just go out west and be very self-reliant. Socks and slides. All right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a thing. <laughs> so man i think one of the cool things that uh in cannabis legalization news though back to the germane topic is what they're doing in new york state that looks pretty cool that they're they're trying to lump the uh legalization effort in with the criminal justice uh, uh reform effort which is huge and that's that's something that i'm really interested in seeing the bill that comes out on friday i should actually you know uh, I would have stopped over at the Capitol yesterday. I had a bankruptcy hearing in Springfield, Illinois. There's just snowing. And I wanted to get home before the roads got really bad. But I need to stop or, like, call them and, and see what, uh, what Steens has got, if they are going to address that in the bill itself. And I, I, I kind of like what they're doing with Smart New York Coalition. Uh, but, you know, sensible marijuana access through regulated trade. Yeah. I, I never really understood why so many politicians like to have their laws have acronyms that spell words. Well, you realize, too, that the, the New York law does not include home grow as well. Well, again, uh, how many uh, New Yorkers are gardeners? But oh. I, I realize that home grow is nice and it is important. But why do you think we can't uh, distill our own liquor? Well, we can. No, no, no. If you don't, if you distill your own liquor, it's technically moonshine because uh, after. Oh, right. well, well, yeah, but after liquor was legalized again in the 1930s, that's what, you know, again, it comes back to that money. And so yeah. they were able to set the tax rates based on the volume of alcohol that were in things. And that's one of the reasons why you are much more likely to be able to make your own beer, but you can't make your own liquor. Because then how do you know if you're going to be paying the taxes or to Uncle Sugar? Yeah. 
Well, that, that's the funny thing here in Washington State because we're comparing our home grow right with our home brew right. So in Washington State, you can grow beer. You can even make spirits, um, but you can't you, – you can take them to a farmer's market, but you're not going to have a business. You know, you're just allowed to yeah. share. Um, Same, you know, like yeah. you can – like the, the health inspector and those types of rules always come into play, especially when you're making foodstuffs, uh, stuff like that. Then you use, uh, when you want to like make them for yourself, fine. But then once you want to start selling them, uh, you know, all of a sudden it just becomes terrible. And then there's still an E. coli outbreak because of romaine lettuce for no good reason. Right. Yeah. Well, in Michigan, uh, I saw a thing on Reddit yesterday. Somebody bought even sometimes through the regulated market, you find shit where uh, they, they got some moldy edibles. So mold, man, how do you get moldy edibles? Like, cause like edibles, that doesn't make any sense. I understand how you can have some flour that's not properly cared for that might have some mold in it, but moldy edibles, unless like the brownies have gone bad and molded, usually the, uh, the extracts, you know, usually don't grind up flour and put it into the, uh, uh, the brownies that you're making, you know, you, you make butter or something. And so like, yeah. where did the mold come from? I think sometimes it just sat probably too long. You know, sometimes, these people don't plan, you know, they're like, Oh, I'm going to go into the pot business. They make too much. They don't have a distribution. So they got to sit on it for a while. And then they figure out how to get rid of it. And a lot of people don't care. You know, it's all about that revenue, you know, and, and here in Washington, uh, the, the, even the people in charge of our fucking program, they're not agricultural savvy. It's the best way to say it. Yeah, um, it's really, Washington, you guys have, you guys are like an evergreen state, you know. There's a, a lot. Uh, it's temperate. You guys have great weather to grow stuff, and and we have, yeah, we have an agricultural uh, community here or uh, uh, industry. Phone call. Hang on a second. Hey, it's Washington, actually. Oh, shit. Stop. <laughs> Hello. Yes, it's Tom. Oh, good. Oh, Kevin, uh, I'm actually on a live feed right now. Can I uh, call you back? Thanks. All right. It was Kevin from Yahoo. Uh, one of the things about doing your own SEO is that there's all these directory listings, and you try to get listed on each one of them so that you know name, phone number, address. Uh, so the, the, the search engines that are crawling you know where you are, and then they give your website more authority because you're there, and you have more sure. backlinks. And um, uh, I, I was looking at Yahoo's, and I'm like, oh, I'm not listed on Yahoo. I should probably get listed on that. Uh, and then immediately, you know, they, they call you. Not immediately. It was, you know, half hour ago. I did that right before we started. I'm sitting there doing SEO, and I'm like, oh, yeah, we have to do this thing at two. But let's go back to the cannabis industry news. Three out of four military veterans would consider using medical cannabis. Do you think that... Uh, the veterans and medical cannabis will be something that we could really use to leverage a nationwide movement to deschedule cannabis. I, I think so. I mean, there's a lot of veteran groups. There's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, this has been a topic for a long time. The VA slip flopped on it for fucking six years, probably at least. Yeah, I, I really hate how the VA's website even has. Uh, reference to marijuana's efficacy for PTSD, but then still says you can't do it. I mean, it's uh, it, it's exceedingly frustrating when you have the people that have actually signed up to protect their country, and then they're being penalized by a law that their country passed 
decades ago before they even knew the science. Yeah, I, th- I think our culture uh, tries to baby. I'm, t- I'm tired of being protected from myself. You know, I, I, I wish that. Again, you know, I want you to know this is a very West Coast thing. Uh, over here in the Midwest, we like judging people and protecting them from themselves. I mean, please, <laughs> stop me from, uh, you know, save me from myself, please. I, I am powerful. Yeah. Let me tell you how you're going to be safe. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, and, and that's the problem, I, I think, uh, with the VA. The, the, it's safe for them to say, first they'll lay it out saying people have used it and they've been okay. Right. And then they'll say, but you're not allowed to use it, which they should just say, here's what we've seen. I mean, nothing works for everybody the same. Right. You know, it's just, it's just like when people say, hey, uh, I got this issue. What, what should I take? Indica, sativa? we're all fucking in a little snowflakes. We've got this little endocannabinoid system in us. It's all different. And uh, it's really, you have to experiment. You have to fucking take a log. You have to write shit down. I'm fucking 45 and smoking for fucking over 20 years. And I still don't fucking know. I'm just like, ah, this one's looking really good. I hope I get more of that later. You know, I'm I'm kind of a fan of Clementine right about now. I mean, it's just, uh, I'm not sure how long that strain's been around. I, I'm quite enjoying it though. I, you know, and, and I, I, I just don't put a lot of weight in the names and strains and shit like that. Cause until we get testing and, you know, I feel as, as a technician, as a super nerd, we're just not at the level where I can say confidently, this is what I'm going to always get from this fucking thing because our testing methods are all fucking different. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no consistency. You know, there's a lot of other shit when it comes to regulation, people say the word regulation, but they don't really know what the fuck they mean. They, they think taxes. And I think uh, it should be regulating uh, the taxes, but that's true. Yeah, but it should be mandatory testing is what it should be. What? And it should be lab regulation. I, I mean, like when people say unions, they always like, oh, those people are grifting. I'm like, no, unions are there it's because they provide standardization. I mean, it, they're kind of the leftovers of guilds. And then the same thing with regulations. Regulations should mean purity. It doesn't just mean taxes. I mean, granted, that's what the government wants. They want more funding, and if they want that funding, fine. Marijuana is a wonderful opportunity for them to do that. But, uh, I mean, that's I love the Illinois policy, and I'm sure that it's the same in uh, Colorado or any other seed-to-sale state that really makes sure that they regulate every step of the supply chain in the cannabis. But, you know, you go and on the you, you flip over whatever uh, the, you know, product that you get from the dispensary, and it says, like, Date grown, date harvested, you know, uh, concentrations of the various cannabinoids, um, all that stuff, and that's that's really the way it's supposed to be. I mean, if you, well, well, even yeah. but even the seed to sell, the seed to sell premise, I think, is all fucked up because you don't do seed to sell for apples. Well, no, apples can make apples, but you're nearly not. You're with apples, you're not trying to tax it. Apples don't have the same type of relationships with jazz music that cannabis does. Maybe if they did. Uh, they would have uh, gone all ape shit about them. Who knows? But I mean, apples can actually be toxic. I mean, that's my whole point. It's like cannabis has never killed anybody. I mean, we got it's got a bad reputation, but it's a fucking agriculture product. Period. And, right. and it, you know, it's like people talk about big cannabis, but you really shouldn't be worried about big cannabis. You know, you're not worried about big tomato. But well, I mean, I, I I am not worried about big tomato or big broccoli, but at the same time. There is not the profit margin in broccoli that there is in cannabis because broccoli, while it might make you feel great and keep you healthy, it doesn't make you high. 
Uh, and because cannabis has that ability to uh, actually, it's not necessarily an intoxication because an intoxication implies the word toxic, uh, but it does make you feel different. And because it makes you feel different, uh, people are going to have these types of weird opinions. It's going to be illegal for years. The only research they'll ever fund is research to find out the harms, which is propaganda instead of science. But, man, it's, uh, it is a very complicated thing. It's almost as complicated as the cannabinoid system and the various types of cannabinoids that are in the actual plant. Yeah, yeah. So you got a comment there. Uh, Jason Costa says, here in Missouri, you can have up to 100 gallons of spirits that can be used in barter, but no cash sale. I like that. I like. I gotta. I gotta go get my moonshine still uh, down to Missouri. And uh, fortunately, Missouri is also now they're moving forward. And I think they just passed in the uh, 2018 election. They're going to be having uh, cannabis now, medical cannabis now, adult use yet. But uh, I'm. That's great. I can't wait to see what uh, Missouri's law is going to look like. I'm not licensed in Missouri. I don't have any plans to become licensed in Missouri, but. Um, I still, one of the things that I want to see come about in cannabis, um, which what I think would be really, really helpful, uh, would, and put, you know, uh, compliance lawyers like myself somewhat out of business, but that's all right, uh, would be like a, a uniform commercial code of cannabis where, you know, this would fill the vacuum in 20 years or so because you aren't going to be able to usurp individual states, but if, the, uh, if cannabis is deregulated or descheduled, uh, then each individual state might want a model uh, of how to regulate it. And they do yeah. all the time. There's a lot of model rules in, in laws. So like, you know, the sales in Article 9 and stuff like that, they're the same in my state as there are in your state, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, that would that'd be nice if, if I could drive across country and not face the same threat, you know. Right. Well, that's 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 an interesting thing that I want to explore more when it comes to like equal protections. Uh, so let's, yeah, it's going to be interesting, you know, because you have a medical plant, and then you have people that need access to it, and then you have laws that are different all over the country. And so, how come people are being treated differently based upon where they're at? And then uh, there's probably, I mean, I haven't researched equal protection laws. I've been out of law school now for like 11 years and I, I don't, they've never come up. I mean, like I'm not a constitutional lawyer. Um, I think there's very few practicing constitutional lawyers, maybe like in Washington, uh, DC, but you know, usually it's, it's oh good. I'm getting another phone call. This is fun. This is a lot of fun. All right. Hey, fun fact. Uh, you know, the, in cartoons, the, the little X's on the little jugs for drug, uh, for alcohol. Yeah. So those actually mean something. Uh, the reason why it has three X's, every time they would distill the alcohol, they would put an X on the bottles. Oh, so they're triple distilled. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I know that we're supposed to be talking about cannabis, but one of the cool things of distillery, uh, they would triple distill it like that. I got to go. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, it was great talking to you, Biggie. And uh, next week, more news on cannabis legalization. Talk to you later. All right, brother. Later.